want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. My guest today on the podcast is Amy Miracle. She is an artist, board-certified art therapist, and founder of Mindful Art Studio. Amy helps artists of all experience levels embrace the creative process with playfulness and curiosity and make art a consistent part of their lives. Her writing and art have been featured in the New York Times.com, the Washington Post.com, PsychCentral.com, Spirituality and Health Online, and Art Journaling Magazine. Amy and I met last year when we taught at the Gathering of the Creatives, which was a live event in the beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and we just hit it off immediately. You know how sometimes you meet those people and you're like, hmm, oh yeah, we were supposed to know each other. Well, I think you're going to feel the same way with our conversation today when you meet her. So in this episode, you'll learn how to tame your inner critic, why having your own creative process is vital and all about flexible structure. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Amy Miracle, I am so happy to have you on the podcast today. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me, Nick. It's exciting to be here. So we met over a year ago now when we taught at a live event the gathering of the creatives. And I just really enjoyed meeting you and getting to know you that weekend. And it was a really interesting time in Santa Fe. I was so impressed by your work as a teacher and as an artist that I thought I have to have her on the podcast. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a very special connection and a very special place. So I feel very grateful that we got to meet and connect and get to learn from each other. Same. So for my audience that maybe doesn't know you or isn't familiar with the work that you do, can you talk a bit about the work that you do do in the world? Sure. So I am a art therapist by training. So even though I don't do therapy anymore, my work and my teaching is extremely informed by that. So uh, I have a website called Mindful Art Studio. I teach classes both live and kind of pre-recorded and do workshops and retreats online. Uh, But I'm basically all about helping people really tune in through the senses, right? That's where the mindfulness part comes in and a lot of my training. And it's a lot about like this dance between approaching art in a there's no right or wrong kind of space, but also with an eye toward yes, I want to help you develop your skills, but in this very kind of forgiving, open way that allows you to get the inner critic out of the way so that you can have more fun, learn more, and want to keep creating. Yeah, that inner critic is so strong for so many of us when we go to create anything. Mm -hmm. Anything. Writing, dancing, singing, acting, drawing, doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like that... And even in business, right? Those inner critics come in. How do you approach the inner critic within your own work? 
So for me, and I'm a big believer in, you know, really kind of listening to lots of different voices and picking out what works for each person. So that's what I've done. And I always sort of say, like, you know, just take what works out of what I'm saying. I don't think I have the be all and end all answer to anything. (laughs) So but what works for me and what works for a lot of my students is really thinking about the inner critic. And again, this is very informed by my training, not as like an enemy, because really I feel that the inner critic is just a part of us that's just trying to protect us, right? We're scared. We're scared that we're going to be judged. We're scared that we're going to fail. And so that part of us that's just trying to keep us feeling good and happy and safe is doing its job, trying to make sure that we feel good and happy and safe. The problem is that it keeps us from taking too many chances if we let it kind of be in the driver's seat. And so I really like something that Elizabeth Gilbert said, the writer uh, who did Big Magic and Eat, Pray, Love. She says that she allows the inner critic into the car, so to speak, when she's on a creative journey, but she tells the inner critic to get in the back seat. She gets to be the driver. Mm. So I really liked that image. I tweak that a little bit. And I like to say that while I'm creating or while I'm whatever it is, whether it's business or art or whatever, that I too absolutely, like I try to listen first to those concerns and kind of say, okay, I hear you. I understand you're scared. That's okay. So now go have a cup of tea, go sit on the couch, watch a movie. I'm going to get creative now. I'm going to do my thing. (laughs) So you take a step away while I do my thing. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I tend to do, my idea of it is always like, come sit beside me. Mm. Come sit beside Say me. Say more about that. I'm curious. Well, because I think for many, many years, I tried to push that inner critic away. Yeah. And we all know that the more you more you resist, the more it persists, right? That it's going to yeah. come back at you and yeah. even stronger in its, in its voice and in its vitality. So by saying, come sit, come hang with me and come learn to play, come learn to play slowly. Yeah. So rather than it being all or nothing, mm-hmm. that we have this relationship that we're building with each other. Because the inner critic actually can be very useful in the sense of discernment. Mm-hmm. Because you you have to have some discernment. Yeah. So I don't want to like push it completely out the door, or slam the door and say, hey, you can't come back in because it'll, it'll bang anyway and, and come running in. So for me, it's this idea of sitting with it and learning to be uncomfortable that it's chatting. Yes, yes. Well, and I think there's so much... I I love that metaphor of, you know, kind of sitting with the discomfort in your art or in your business or whatever it is, because it's such a a mirror to life. And I, I do think, and a lot of my students talk about, like, especially I've been doing a slow drawing workshop for free every Friday since the beginning of the pandemic. And I have heard from a lot of people how much that slowing down practice. So we just do like a very simple pattern for that hour during the week. And so there's one hour of drawing and then you can practice it throughout the week. So I've heard from a lot of people about how much that slowing down practice has really helped to quiet the inner critic because you have a clear purpose and then it's very limited and then you have permission to slow down. I I just think we're so on about like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, that we really shoot ourselves in the foot. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. Myself included. (laughs) Same, same. And I do have to say one of the greatest things about the pandemic for me is that it's forced me to sit. Mm -hmm. I was somebody who traveled two times a month. I was on a plane twice a month. Yeah. Yeah. And to not go anywhere for six months has been a, a journey for me personally. And it has forced me to slow down in a way that I, you know, I thought that I was, I had slowed myself down. I thought, 
that mm-hmm. my yoga practice and my meditation practice had really slowed me down. But by being forced to sit in one location, which I hadn't done in my entire adult life, yeah, has been a profound deepening of not only my creativity and my artistic life, but also my spiritual life. Yeah. So it's been a great, I mean, for all of the... <laughs> That's good. That's what we need is a good laugh about it all. (laughs) Of all that of the pandemic, yeah, there has been this this uh, gem and this gem, this beauty from it as well. It's interesting. It's it's nice to hear that. I feel like for me, one of the gems has been being able to offer those Friday slow drawing practices to people. It's funny. It's as I'm saying it, I'm realizing it makes me feel a little bit emotional even. I've heard from so many different people about how much it's helped them get past that inner critic and really start to engage in a more regular art practice and to see that they actually can make art and like what a gift that's been. And then the other piece of it that's been really important for me is that kind of concurrent with the pandemic, of course, we've had all the racial tension kind of coming to, you know, a a much bigger boiling point than it had been in even previously. And I had never really spoken about my social justice background or my beliefs in that way ever before. And I always kind of thought that the best way to welcome everybody was to just not name any of that. As I've done a lot of, and still need to do more, but as I've done a lot more listening, especially to Black voices and transgendered voices, I've been learning a lot about the need to name and welcome explicitly. And so I've been working on, especially in those lives, being super explicit about welcoming all the Black people and the brown people and naming my pronouns and making sure that, well, at least I'm trying to create a community that feels very inclusive to everyone, especially if you don't think you look or come from the same place as me. And I've heard from, you know, a number of people at least that that's had a big impact on them too. I I hope that it has an impact, especially on (laughs) the people who have the most chance of feeling excluded. But um, so far it seems like it's having an impact and that's really, that's super important to me. Wow. Well, that, First of all, thank you for that. And second of all, what a talk about a gift that this time has given you. Mm-hmm. And then and then you have then like spread it back out, right? Like the rock in the lake. <laughs> that ripple effect is is so beautiful and that you're stepping into it fully. Because I think that there's been a part of us, and I by us I mean those that are more privileged, because mm-hmm. it is a spectrum of privilege, right? Those of sure. us that are more privileged haven't really wanted to staying with the water metaphor here, break the waves that it's been in some ways, like we're thinking we're being good people, quote unquote, by being welcoming to everyone Mm. without realizing that by not naming it, as you're saying, we were actually complicit. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that part. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have my own, you know, rightfully so guilty feelings about that. I think that's okay. You know, I think it's time for a lot of us to start to feel uncomfortable. Well, that's part of the wake up, right, yeah. of this time yeah. is is that it's going to be messy and yeah. it's going to be icky if we're going to raise the level of consciousness. Consciousness doesn't happen by love and light only. Right. 
And I think the thing that I have really appreciated, like I did a training with um, the Attaway group called Whiteness at Work, and it was so good. And one of the biggest takeaways, I got many big takeaways, but one of the really great ones was to just, what's really important is to try and to not be so afraid of making mistakes that you don't try because we have to try because that silence is being complicit with racism or complicit with, you know, being anti, whether it's, you know, gay or transgender, whatever, you know, kind of limiting factor we're talking about that, that isn't the white male patriarchy basically. Right. So that to me was very freeing, like this message of do your best when someone calls you out, just say you're sorry and learn from it and move on. And that's all anyone can expect from you. Uh, Absolutely. And we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And I'm just sharing my experience because that's kind of the way I've decided to share things. I'm certainly not trying to teach anybody. I, I'm not the person who can teach somebody about that. That's what Desiree Attaway is there for. <laughs> and lots of <laughs> other wonderful voices out there. Yeah, there are people that that's what they do. And that's what they're trained yeah. to do. And I kind of just go at it and I give it everything I have. And then I feel like I can't do everything. So I'm trying to do my slice well or as well as I can. And to me, that's helpful. Because that's really all we can do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, you mentioned your lives. Yeah. Is going live something that you love? Is it something that you're good at? Is it a strength for you? Is it something that you lean into? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we talked about this, but when I was a kid, my art was much more performance oriented. Like I was the little ham. I was always, you know, doing the plays and doing chorus and doing, you know, the solos and stuff. So, you know, I I almost could have gone down a similar path to you actually, but the, the funny part is that this is very embarrassing to admit because it's so silly and so few people like make it quote unquote but I decided I did not want to pursue acting and singing because I did not want to be famous <laughs> that's the exact opposite reason why most people you know, they I want know. so desperately exactly but I don't mind being in front of people like I enjoy that and I I have that part that I think a lot of performers thrive from. So, you know, for me, I kind of feel like I have this job now that kind of pulls in all of my best skills. I love to write. I love to make art. I love to encourage other people and help them to make, like, find their best, most original, like, juiciest stuff. And I'm totally comfortable being myself and being a little bit goofy in order to give other people permission to kind of let loose a little bit. And I feel like, you know, the people who find me respond to that kind of approach, obviously. But then also I'm able to bring in like, you know, we do the meditation at the beginning. It's very grounded into kind of through the senses and mindfulness. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I'm able to just bring in all the things that I love and it worked for me and the people who are on that similar stream find me. I mean, everything that you just described is exactly what I call a creative solopreneur. And here we are on the Creative Solopreneur podcast talking to you. And the reason for that is that that is pretty much exactly how I feel about my business. Like you could have, I could have said that sentence (laughs) (laughs) because it really is that dance of all of those things that I love to do. I feel like I'm a kid at play every single day, creating something new, trying something new, and and what it does is it brings in all these different parts and pieces of myself 
that I then get to put out into the world. And for me too, part of that is live. I mean, I do a couple of live videos every week. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the live for me, why I choose live is because of that, like that old performer in me. Like, you know, like, like that, that 13, 12, 13 year old kid that gets that immediate response on a, on a yes. Facebook live. I get an yeah. immediate response from my audience. Whereas like when I do like a recorded video, it's more like TV film versus theater. And the the live video feels like theater again to me, although I'm playing myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, but it has that immediacy and I thrive on that energy. I love the interplay. Yeah. There's that interchange of energy. Yes. And I totally, I live for that. And there have been times in my business where I have strayed from, like, I've, you know, I've listened to business advice and tried to force myself into numerous different things. One of them was like, you know, okay, you should do more content like this or more content like that. And every time things get not great and I feel like I'm, you know, essentially just not making enough money, I'm like, okay, what works for me and what do I miss and what do I enjoy? Or I'm just not feeling great in the business is the other kind of place that it shows up. Oh, I haven't done any lives in a long time. Like I need to be with people. And given that I'm over the internet, I can do that one of two ways. I can do a live of some sort, or I can do a Zoom of some sort, which is even better because then we get to do what we're doing. But I need that. I can't just comment back and forth to people. After a while, that I, I like it to an extent, but after a while, it gets kind of soul ripping. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're actually clarifying for me in my own business why I love the live coaching aspect. Mm-hmm. My main course, my signature course has live coaching. And I think it's for this very reason that you're talking about that I can comment for so long, but there's something that almost the personalization feels gone for me. Yeah. And that energy exchange, it goes back to that, that energy exchange. Exactly. Cause otherwise you're at a certain point, it can feel like you're giving, 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 Mm -hmm. and you're not getting the flow back because it's not live. Yeah. And I think that for me, that's something that I have learned and relearned that lesson many times. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's really important that I have, yeah, through coaching, through classes that are live or retreats that are live, like, and luckily, you know, for the same reason you were talking about, like it works out because I do it well, I enjoy it. I need it. The people who find me want it and need it too. And so it's all just a very positive feedback loop. Yeah. And I think that that's how you're able to create a community yes. that is a high vibe, for lack of a better term, community, yeah. because of that, that interaction. That and very strict group rules. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries, Nick, boundaries. <laughs> well, really, because it, and I mean, obviously I'm a therapist by training. So even as a therapist, I was very much on about boundaries because you know, whatever, we're not going to get into childhood here, but that's me. (laughs) I just, and I know you feel the same way. I think that we all thrive when we know what the boundaries are. Everything is clear and then we can relax. Yeah. And that has been a process for me of learning as a teacher and as a leader that Mm -hmm. I think at first, when I first started, I just wanted everyone to be happy and enjoying it and be a part of it and, and not realizing that without that structure, 
I wasn't actually doing a service to anybody. Right. And then stuff started to come up and then I felt t- taken advantage of and then others felt taken advantage of, you know, and then, and then it was like, oh, this is a learning process. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I was going to offer any advice to anyone, <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> I'm not big on, like, I'm big on offering invitations. And I mean, even as I say that, like, obviously everybody's got to find their own way. Cause there are definitely people who go a much more loosey goosey route than I do. And it works amazingly for them because that's their personality and that's their setup. And so it works, but for me and my personality and my background, I make extremely clear boundaries and just like even letting people like when, when I do, like I do these five hour art retreats that I try to make as much like an in-person retreat as humanly possible. And part of how I do that is by doing like a ton of prep work. Like, so I send out quite a bit of info to each of the participants about what to expect and they have homework and, you know, there's guidelines around phone use. It's basically like very old school. Like if you need to go use your phone, step away from the computer so that we're not interrupting each other's experience and nobody feels like someone's looking at their phone while they're like showing this very precious piece of art or something. Like I just try to really kind of cultivate this very positive reinforcing experience. And because I'm so clear about it, knock on wood, people tend to respond and then they love it because it's so reinforcing. Well, and you're creating a safe container. Yes. Ultimately. Which everybody, especially the folks who come to me really, really, really want and need that and then thrive in it and do incredible, beautiful work that they never thought that they could do before. And that's meaningful. It's not, you know, it's, it's the dance, right? Between finding the meaning and finding the joy in the process and also improving those skills. But I think that they, for me and my experience, they go hand in hand. So speaking of dance, yes. how do you balance your time and energy between your art and your artistic urges and that that is structured and planned out? How do you balance that? Like, what does that look like for you in your life, in your art, in your business? I have, so one of the things that I have learned, (laughs) it's funny because I'm very type A in a lot of things. Like if you look around my studio, it's very organized, especially for an art studio. I don't like clutter. I mean, it does get cluttered and disorganized at times, but like I'll get, and I have to like put it in order. It doesn't feel right to me, but I am not the person who can sit there. Like I did try a couple of times to like make a blog calendar and you know, plan out every last this and that. Like last year, I tried out pre-planning all of my retreats and masterclasses for the year and then making all of the pages ahead of time, all the sales pages, plus then creating like a package out of it. It was an insane amount of work and it was a huge, huge flop. (laughs) Like... (laughs) They all went great individually, but nobody was interested in buying this giant package. And I mean, maybe somebody else with a different view or personality or whatever could have carried it off differently than I did, but just, it didn't work. I didn't enjoy it at all. And, you know, it it didn't, batching the work that way, I'm not really sure it really did save me anything. If anything, I think it cost me more time because it was kind of like just so painful trying to stay in that one thing. Now I do try to batch. I'm getting around to your question slowly here. (laughs) (laughs) I do batch things, but it's more about rhythm for me. 
So like, I know that I work the best with content creation in the morning. And so I will tend to try not to answer emails unless it's something like kind of critical. I'll try to leave that for writing or for, you know, creating content, whether that's working out some art ideas or just spending my own time in the studio. And then in the afternoon, I can tend to get like, oh God, like I can't even think (laughs) at times, like especially if I've been heavily into something. And so then that's a good time to do either more mindless tasks or do more of my art. I think that my art goes in waves too. So like it's a plus and a minus that my art life kind of dictates what I'm teaching. So I've sort of set it up by design that I get to teach whatever I feel like because I don't have a membership. So I can just kind of go with my own creative whims because that works for me. And blogging works the same way for me. I won't do it if I have a blog schedule and I I have to try and plan out ahead. It just doesn't work for me. So I've learned to respect that and I have no problem getting out content, you know, usually about once a month is my minimum and that seems to work for me. And so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think the key there is that's what works for you. Yes, right. For somebody else, that probably won't work. (laughs) Right, I mean, and I think that's why you'll hear teachers or coaches, they'll say, well, this is what you have to do. Step A, B, C, D, E. They're trying to create a structure for people that don't have any idea where to begin or how. Yes. But I think over time, as your business, as your art grows, you learn, I might try A, B, C, D, E, but it's not going to necessarily work for me, but A and C works for me. Correct. And that's, that's kind of where I am coming from too. And why I always kind of just give people, even when I teach art, I just give invitations because I'm so aware that at least for me, I can't like follow some formula. I'm into flexible structures. Oh, I like that phrase. Yeah. I like flexible structure. So I have it. It's there. It gives me guidelines. It gives me boundaries, but I can move within it and change things. And I kind of teach that way. When I set up a class or a retreat, it's, it's like planned out down to, you know, five, 10 minute increments. But that gives me so much security and I can, I can really vary within like If I'm seeing that the class is really still on this last exercise and it makes no sense to move on, I can see very clearly what I need to shift in order to make things work. And then I don't have to sit there and stress out. I know what I can do. And then going back to your other question, I think that my art tends to go in waves too. So like I'll go through periods where I make way more art and do somewhat less on, let's say, you know, writing blog posts or creating like sales pages and that kind of thing and emails and blah, blah, blah. And I'm much more into that. Or I'm even at times like on a sabbatical for say a month because I'm just like, I'm spent. I need this time. It will pay off. And, you know, and then I'm able to, to move forward. And then there are other times like now where, like right now, I think I'm doing it more on my own time than I am kind of during the work day, unless I'm again, kind of needing a break because some of my creative energy is going towards writing those emails or whatever it might be. Yeah. Rest is underrated. Yeah. We, we, we tend to talk a lot about what I'm doing, 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 because like you said, you're a doer. Yes. And sometimes the creative juice, the, the flow comes through stepping back and mm-hmm. give, giving yourself that time to rejuvenate, refresh all the rewords. Mm-hmm. Well, and do like the less fun parts of it too. Like this weekend, I finally 
so my new class is called Big Art, and it's all built on um, what are called inches, just really tiny, in this case, two-inch squares on watercolor paper. And so you work the same concept in a series. So like, for example, the piece that I was working on is a series of like candy-colored squares with like these little swoopy U-shapes. And I don't know, there's like, I don't know, 50 or 60 of them. And they have been sitting on my other table, just like waiting. Hi, Amy, here we are, we're ready. Glue us down, do the measurements. And I'm like, I hate measurements. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you just magically glue yourselves into a grid? No, we can't. But I made myself do that this weekend. It felt so good because now it looks amazing. And now I can't wait to get it framed. And so, I mean, I think there's all different parts to the creative process. I knock on wood, don't tend to go fallow too much. It's just, I might be in prep or I might be like in what I call a finishing phase where I pick up all those loose ends and try to tie them up so that I can make space for the next thing or whatever. My projects tend to have seasons. I was just about to ask you, what about you? They tend to have seasons. They'll they'll go with intense periods where I'm highly, highly working on something Mm-hmm. And then it may have a little rest, yeah, a rest. And I've actually found for me with the, the work that I do, that time away is actually helpful because it gives me a critical eye because the yeah. majority of what I create is storytelling and you can lose yourself in the story mm-hmm. and you can lose track of things and you can, it's like that idea of losing the forest for the trees. Like you can yeah. be, be so in it that you yeah. can no longer see it. Yeah. So the time away often helps when you come back with this fresh eye. Fresh eyes, yeah. That I have found is really helpful. And that rejuvenation period, because I get to this point almost with a lot of projects where I almost hate them. I'm like, yeah. I, don't, this, I don't like this anymore. I don't like this project. Yeah. You know, because I've been so in it and so intensely in it. And then when I go away, I fall in love again. Yeah, I totally hear that. I mean, it's very much the same process as like, for me, I take distance from my work a lot. Like I will stand up and get several feet away from it. And it's so different when you do that than when it's like right in front of your face. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. So different. (laughs) Well, in, In the theater, for instance, I whenever I was directing or uh, choreographing a show, I would sit in various places in the theater, yeah. right? Because you yeah. have to see it from different angles. From the first row, it looks very different than it does stage left, stage, stage right, or in the back of the house. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a very different experience. And sometimes you can go see a show and sit in one place in the theater and think the show's terrible and sit in another place and be like, this show's amazing. Wow. Oh, gosh. Never thought about that. Because the experience is completely different based on what you're going to see. Right. Which is interesting in terms of your art and the way in which you work. I'd never really thought about that you must get up and, and stand back. Yeah. I mean, it's completely different, especially like right now I'm working on the smaller pieces and, you know, it's cool to play with what it's like up close versus what it's like from far away. There's an artist, I don't know if you know him, Chuck Close. I don't. That's funny that his last name is Close because uh, the paintings are, I'm sure he has other work besides this, but the paintings are a series of squares. And when you see them very up close, it almost looks Kandinsky-ish in the sense it's like a series of, I think it's normally kind of circular-ish going around the circle of different colors. And it's beautiful in its own right close up with all this grid. 
and then you step away and it becomes this incredibly technically correct portrait. It's mind boggling. Wow. Yeah. I have to look him up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and those are, those are old. Those are not like new. I think he did those. I don't know when he did those, but I've known about them for a long time. So I'm guessing they're at least from the eighties or before. Old, the eighties. <laughs> well, Hey, I'm just, hey. I'm be real here. It's not like they're from last year. I'm in my mid forties. I'm not saying. <laughs> uh, I know I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> well, your classes, workshops, retreats sound like so much fun to me. And I'm, you know, I'm an amateur artist at best. Oh, you should come. But they sound so incredibly <laughs> fun. Where can people find you so that they can come to these classes and workshops and retreats? My website is mindfulartstudio.com. And then once you hit the, the shop and the classes button, it'll pop up with like free classes, classes, which just means like my pre-recorded classes. I have a special section for the recordings of all those slow drawing Fridays, like after the replay expires. And then there's a section for um, live experiences. But they're typically at this point, obviously they're all online. Yeah. So all over Zoom. That's awesome. I got to come take a class. <laughs> yeah. And the, the Fridays are all on Facebook, but I also replay them for non-Facebook people. I replay them on my site for the weekend. I know you're fun, so I'm guessing they're really, really fun. I, I think they are. I think they are. <laughs> and yes, you would be super welcome. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your creative process and your journey recently, as well as the journey of your success and your business and your art. I appreciate you. I, uh, I appreciate you too, and I had such a fun time talking to you and hearing about some of your stuff, too. So thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Please rate, write us a review, and subscribe so we can spread the word and other solopreneurs just like you can find us.